St. Joseph's College of Nursing provides outstanding nursing education, which in turn helps to ease the nursing shortage being experienced in our community. The college is celebrating its 125th year. Here's Dean, Dr. Lenore Boris. Our mission is really founded on some core values that include integrity, innovation, caring, and excellence while embracing the principles of social justice. Find the St. Joseph's Health MedCasts wherever you get your podcasts. St. Joseph's Health, a higher level of care. Exciting news, New York. Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield is becoming Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield, focusing on whole health. The same doctors, hospitals, and support. The same us. Because the heart and soul of who we are will always be our dedication and passion to improving the health of all New Yorkers. We are Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield. New name, same commitment to you. Never go it alone. That's our anthem. Millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. Produced by a nuclear exchange would be carried by wind and water and soil and seed to the far corners of the kingdom of God, the The kingdom kingdom of heaven. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We're not saying that planet Earth is coming to an end. We're saying that planet Earth is about to be refurbished, spaded under, and have another chance to serve as a garden for another civilization. Most of the people in here are just your reflections. They're your mistakes. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. One million of the planet's eight million species are threatened. You are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Your lives and the credibility of the United Nations is at stake. Epstein didn't kill himself. The reason this is such an interesting time is not only because we're on the threshold of the end of this civilization. They're trying to take you out with bullshit. The experience of the past two years has proven beyond doubt that no nation can appease the Nazis. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. In the language of the U.S. Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. Uh, there is very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone. This is the Garden of Doom. Welcome everybody to Garden of Doom. And this week we are joined by, well, a, a wife of a prior guest. This, 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 this is Nikki Ojeda also known as Tartiara in the uh, psychic and uh, paranormal circles and professionally. Um, and, and she came to us through prior guest Jeffrey from Metatrack. We did an excellent show together some months ago. Um, so very happy to get the, that kind of referral because if you refer your actual partner in life to me, that, that's a compliment. But thank you for being on the show. I'm so happy to be here, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us like your basic bio. Well, um, I have been a professional tarot reader and past life reader for 35 years now. 
I pretty much became who I am when, at the age of 15. I started working in a magical herb shop, and um, I learned about essential oils and tarot and herbs, like, all at the same time, and I sort of have a, an embodied feel for all the symbolism thereof, and I'm very happy to be able to help people, and they seem to like what I do, so I, I hope to help future generations and people to just be in touch with their truth and their own magic and deconditioned beautiful self. Yeah, and the, the timing is really great for me and hopefully for the audience as well because a, a few months back we had a show dedicated to tarot. Um, and it was it was great, but of course, like I like everything else, I forgot half of it. And then, you know, then I've uh, had a, a couple shows with some people who are involved in voodoo and tarot is used there as well. And you know, it's interesting when you learn about these things and learn that, you know, magic is magic. Uh, you know, the, the, a lot of these things, a lot, you know, these techniques, these, uh, the, yeah, techniques is probably good, are, are used by lots of different schools of thought and come up in different ways. And, are, and you know, sometimes it's the interpretation is different. But then we had uh, John Barnwell, uh, who talked about, the arcane wisdom and the divine arcane and mentioned the divine arcana. And of course, I've forgotten a lot about that. And, and there you pop up and it's, it's right there in all your information. So I know that I will be going over some of the same stuff we covered before, but repetition helps me to remember and there's always new insights. So I'm really excited about that, but I won't, you know, uh, but some of the things you talked about is, is the divine arcana that you were able to read uh, about people's past lives. You've been doing this for 35 years. Uh, you're able to read basically energetic, I'm going to call them signatures, but you'll correct me if there's a better description, uh, that you're able to find archetypal um, uh, embodiments uh, in people and that you actually have workshops to help them figure out those uh, archetypes and how that can impact their lives. And, and you work with essential oils and healing and, and just all sorts of it's like a total package kind of thing and and it looks like you travel as well like the, it like almost like how people you know picture things like the old wagons going from town to town and you know d dispensing your your you know your wisdom so i don't know you know i guess like you said you've done over two dozen podcasts and you're used to leading so i think this is where it's a good time to pass the baton to you and say Nikki Ojeda, please lead on, or, or Tartiera, however you... You could just call me Nikki. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, archetypes, divine archetypes, the archetypes within us, beyond us, the uh, collective consciousness. So I like to work with both divine archetypes, like something like Medusa or Apollo or you name it. And then also you have all these archetypes that are you find in myth and stories and symbolism. Like, um, you know, you have the hero and the healer and the trickster and, and all these things. And I find that we have proclivities to carry certain archetypes within us, but they have stages of expression. And so one of the things that I seek to do with archetypal embodiment workshops is that we embody um, higher archetypes that can help us shift the energy. Let me give you an example. I have to carry the archetype of the mystic or I'm not functioning according to my soul contract, it'll be distorted, probably in a form of an addict or something along those lines. And someone who carries, let's say, the teacher, 
archetype and they don't own that, it's going to also have a distorted expression, probably in like a critic or someone, you know, they're just not living that actual soul energy. So um, it's been a very, that's one of the things that makes me different from a lot of tarot and past life readers is I've been, I've had to become trauma informed, you know, and help people really where it counts Hmm. because you can intellectualize and, and fluff about with your spirits and keep it all up here. Everything's ascended. And that is half of it. That's beautiful. But you do eventually have to go in and down and be with what's really there. And a lot of people shy away from that. And I really like to help because it's not about fixing anything. It's not about uh, proving anything, being anything to become good enough. It's about uncovering the beautiful, good enough light that's already there. And that usually involves um, looking at our unconscious patterns and beliefs. And to me, that's where magic has its highest uh, use. You know, it's, I'm really all about the inner holistic health so that your inner magician, your inner teacher, your inner artist, your inner creative, whatever it is that you're carrying and the expression isn't pure can come out in its natural form for what your soul contracts in your life, you know, fulfillment require of you well stumbling is my charm uh, or so i say so i'm going to stumble through this a little bit but I, I imagine that you were introduced to magic in some way like a, you did mention that you were born into this and that it's a calling and i hear that a lot that people knew at a young age that, that somebody was speaking to them that they had some attachment to a spiritual realm or a luminary or or or, or something they just felt that there was they had a calling but I, are you trained in the, you know, the, the Wicca school, or is it, are you, is it Egyptian magic? Is it Chinese magic? Is it Indian magic? Is it shamanism? And by Indian, I mean India. Uh, is it shamanism? Is it, you know, is it a, some sort of different amalgam? Um, you know, wh- 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 where do you get your start and, and where do you get, and what kind of uh, continued training did you get before you sort of uh, made something your own? Okay, so this is going to be a roundabout answer. So first of all, I wasn't born into a family who was receptive to this. I was born into a very strict and rather toxic Christian scenario. And I wrote about that in an essay um, in the book, Goodbye Jesus, I've Gone Home to Mother by Oberon Zell, who was the OG original pagan. But that's another story. And so I had to fight to be who I am. You know, I tried to drink the Kool-Aid, carried my little Bible, worried about going to hell. By the time I was 10, I was over it. Okay. And then I start, I was always drawn to the mystical, you know, whether it was sword and sorcery or like Ronnie James Dio and all that stuff. It's all part of what led me to what resonates with me. You were the first in line, not the last in line. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I often have to do that. I have to be the pioneer but that's a, another story, too. So, um, you know, of course, it started as a rebellion against all that and that mountain of rage. How do I work through that? You know, um, so I am I was initiated in Wicca and that's beautiful, but I am not a tradition oriented person. I um, I take all those techniques. I, I've been doing yoga since I was 19 and I take the best of things. And I've woven it together, and I've been reading Carl Jung since I was 10 or 11 because he was a mystic, and he was in touch with the numinous. Now, there's a lot of his stuff that you could call outdated, and it's true, but there's these nuggets of truth. And then the people who've gone beyond and worked with that, that has really helped me design something that is aligned with 
how our consciousness is evolving. Because it's like, I like to take ancient practices with these, like, um, updated, like, cutting-edge practices in these workshops, but they basically are a type of shamanism as well, simply because there is no other word for um, how we go between the worlds, but we go into our own world. And it's like beyond the mind with a symbolic mindset. So I've woven all these tendencies together in, into my own thing. Um, you know, and some people say, oh, you shouldn't mix modalities. And I don't agree with one caveat. And this is one of the harmful things of mixing modalities is when you don't go deep enough to do the healing work. You just jump to the next thing. And that's what creates the spiritual bypassing that we often see. And that's how the depth of meditation and depth psychology mixed with magic, mixed with our own unique signature, gives us so much, um, you know, because it honors how everyone's different, you yeah. know, and that's the thing. There's no one formula for everyone. So I hope to help people have the sort of exploration of going deep and transmuting and alchemizing the energy into its highest available expression. Yeah, I, I agree with that because I, I mean, secularization and not, not, and subdivisions and you know sort of separation that i think it doesn't work with spirituality i mean if you're trying to say this is the only right way to do it you sort of defeated your your end game purpose to begin with so i think it's wrong to say only wick is the way to do it or only the algonquin is the way to do it or only this is the way and and i don't i'm picking out those names just because i you know that's what came to my head not because uh, i i know a lot of wicca who are saying it's the only way or i know any algonquin saying ours is the only way they're not i mean but we do hear you know certain catholics or orthodox uh, Jews or, you know, every, every religion you have, this is the way, this is your key. I mean, that, that's sort of the business model. This is your key to salvation. I think with spirituality, it's got to be, you know, like you said, not one size fits all. There's, and, and there's nothing wrong with borrowing from the past traditions because there's a hundred thousand years plus embedded in, 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 into these traditions. And, you know, and some of them are differentiated by the climates, the environments the animals that they came into contact with, those that were helpful and those that were harmful. You know, some places the wolf might have been helpful and some places the wolf might have been the the, the the biggest threat that you faced other than, you know, plague. So, you know, they're, they're, that's where I think the distinctions are um, and it, it, it's wrong to dismiss them out of hand, but I think you're right that there's no one right way. That's that's one of the few things I've learned in the three years of this journey of being a completely secular, Western educated, you know, rather mundane, you know, the you know, middle aged, middle, you know, suburban American. Right. And you know, as humans, we are meaning making machines. So I work with people who are atheists, you know, we go into a symbolic mindset. So they aren't hard atheists, I'm sure, but we can tap into this and it can be purely psychological. It can be spiritual, but I find that the divine is the key. You'll get you there, whatever gives you meaning. So, um, you know, having this be the right way, that type of philosophy, that's very toxic. And um, I would, you know, warn anyone to beware of anyone, that, anything that suggests we should all be the same. And here's my difference between religion and spirituality. So with religion, you are 
pretty much venerating someone else's spiritual experience. At its best, it's guidance, it's inspiration. You know, I'm not knocking religion per se. It's what humans do with it. Now, spirituality is um, techniques that will foster you to have your own spiritual experience. It will foster you to have that personal gnosis of the energy behind, you know, hey, there's more to this, you know, and um, it's very magical, but it's also indigenous to our own soul. You know, these are um, the best of the wisdom, like you were saying, all those years of wisdom. It's like, yes, take the best of that, and then there's these things that just have to be left off because we are evolving and we are changing and we're supposed to. And um, practices that may have been the best thing, let's just say be fruitful and multiply. Right. <laughs> 2,000 plus years ago, that was good advice, you know, in, in the desert and living that life and you needed it. It's not necessarily good advice now. So um, we need to just take stock of what it is that we are believing, you know, without questioning it. And um, which brings me to a whole other part of my work, which is helping you discern what your true voice is and what is fear conditioning and, um, you know, other people's beliefs that we've internalized so hard and have never even stopped to think, do I even really feel that? And so I call that your inner bell when it's clear. It's, it's being aligned with your high spirit self, yet your deep soul truth. It does not exclude the body. It does not exclude the earth plane. I do not malign the lower chakras. That all contains magic. That is a false distinction, um, you know, to create these hardcore opposites. It's just a false distinction. For example, like I respect science, but I don't want dogma in my science or my spirituality. It's got to have that open, you know, this is where we're at right now. This is knowledge and it's beautiful, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, I like to weave these things together that people have, um, they do themselves a disservice by saying either or. So I foster a both, both and consciousness, you know, wherever it serves, which is a lot more than we um, give credit to. So that self-exploration, you know, are these voices in my head really me or is this just some, you know, external thing that really it's time to alchemize that and transmute that into my inner wise one, which we all have. Hmm. So. so when you mention Carl Jung, Carl Jung, however you pronounce it, it, yeah. it it's uh, hard to talk about him without also talking about Joseph Campbell. It's like they almost go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, archetypes, that's, that's sort of, you know, Joseph Campbell's was here with a thousand names or here with a thousand faces. I mean, but it's, yes. it, but it, it's, you know, it, that's really focusing on one archetype, but in, in it, he actually talks about several archetypes in there. Are, are, are you talking about the similar archetypes? I feel like yours might be broader. Let's just say it is broader, but it still includes that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the hero's journey is just such a beautiful thing. Um, some people, they want to dismiss it because they look at it incorrectly, you know, well, they'll say it's too masculine. It's like you just just switch it. You know, it, it's just a symbolism, and it's not a one-time thing. It's over and over, circles within circles. You know, um, but it's it's kind of beyond words too. Just how um, it can be very, especially in hindsight, it's very enlightening and really good for writing stories and stuff like that too. Of course, movies and 
movies. We all know that. For sure. But yeah. I love Joseph Campbell too. Wise yeah. man. Yeah, I, I agree. When now uh, we started uh, way back when with Divine Arcana and the and Divine, and you mentioned Apollo. Well, and, you know everyone knows Apollo, Greek god, son of Zeus. You know, uh, brother of uh, Athena, sort of, um, but sort of you know very much similar to uh, you know Osiris and Isis together, which are of course you know you, you can tie them to. Adam and Eve, and, you know, and Osiris is tied to pretty much everyone everywhere, which means Apollo is tied to everyone everywhere. But Medusa, so Medusa is a Gorgon, and and is you know a monster, and you know, or maybe just misunderstood. I don't know which. Probably, I mean, you know, somebody has to write the book from Medusa's point of view. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm wondering, like, you know, because that one took me by surprise. Like, even if you said. The Wheel, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From the horse-drawn carriage to a rover on Mars. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Everyone loves a winner, and year after year, the one team that tops the field is Honda. Honda's all-star lineup includes Accord, Civic, and CRV, with all three making the car and driver 10 best list. Plus, Honda was also named Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com 2023 Best Value Brand and Best Overall Brand. To see what makes Honda number one, see your upstate Honda dealer today. Car and driver, December 2022. Based on 2023 brand image awards from Kelly Blue Book, visit KBB.com for more information. Lilith or or Hell H E L. I you know I I would I think I would know exactly where you're coming from, but Medusa threw me off. So yeah yeah, please espouse okay. it a little bit. So I did this workshop. Um, I'm going to talk about two different workshops. I did one with Medusa in it, and one had Apollo. So we, I did this very. It was it's a big it was a big workshop. It was out there. It was called Reconciling Athena and Medusa. Now this one was primarily geared toward women. Um, now. <clears throat> there, keep in mind that these myths were already ancient when they were written down, and then they were written down more from the point of view of the patriarchal attitudes, you know, where, um, you know, Medusa had to be raped or whatever. We don't know that, or if she was um, in Athena's temple was the thing, you know, and Athena was turned her into the Gorgon. She was a beautiful woman, you know, but she apparently got raped in the temple, you know, by, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember, was it Perseus? Anyway, um, I forget the name, <laughs> but the point is that, um, well, Perseus killed her. I, I think that the, I think, I think the rape was Zeus. Yeah. He's, anyway, he's usually the prime the rape rapist was making love. The fact is that we went in there because this is a good example of how these archetypes have different expressions even the divine ones so like bright-eyed athena goddess of wisdom while she's also symbolizes um athena influenced you know she gets blinded by her influences and in this case like internalized toxic patriarchal values that hurt women and this symbolized this workshop symbolized how women play the part of athena and they uh hurt other women and, and it's self-perpetuating so we were able to go in there in a shamanic way and have um you know a, a, a medusa recommit to being a priestess of athena you know i need your wisdom and athena gives 
Medusa, the olive branch. And it's very, we like, we're all crying because it's so powerful because we see how we internalize these images, you know, and we only, in secular mythological studies, we only look at things from one facet, generally speaking. Right. But there's just so much more symbolizing pretty much psychological and psycho-spiritual states of, of human existence. And so this deep exploration, like beyond the intellect, of getting in there, it just shifts energies where it's like you see, wow, I've been carrying this jealousy for another woman when she shines, and, and that's just false conditioning, and that's the blind Athena. Whereas, you know, Athena, back to her bright-eyed self, she wants to empower all of the women, you know, empower everyone, you know, not just women, but in this case, that was just the focus of the workshop. And I understand. So, it, was, it was not about... The the historical or the strict mythology of Medusa. It was more about Medusa as the archetype, as as it was sort of a redemption, see things from her perspective, ask for forgiveness, accept forgiveness, work together kind of thing. But it does include the mythology too, just not as much the, um, you know, later interpretations, you know. And then, so for the one regarding Apollo, this was more of an open to everybody, um, embody your artist archetype was the title of this one. <clears throat> And we went, and this was for creatives and people who had uh, blocks and, and, and claiming their artist or, you know, um, stuck in creativity, that sort of thing. So we went in there and um, started off with Hephaestus, Hephaestus, who has the limb. Yep. Um, and we tapped into, it's hard for me to remember exactly what we did, but we tapped into that vulnerability as the best part of the story. It's like you bring your vulnerability to your art. And then... Um, Apollo transmute that and he shoots the arrow out into the stars and then the nine muses are dancing and just rain inspiration down. But it's so much more evolved and beautiful and it's so beyond the mind that I sort of forget exactly what happens, but everybody was so affected. And, and what it does is on an unconscious level, it clears those pathways. It clears it of debris from um, just false beliefs. You know, it's amazing how much one workshop can can shift it. You know, sometimes it's a very subtle thing that unfolds over time. And sometimes it's like a lightning bolt of wow. And it's just different for everybody. There's no right way. But that the point is that that exploration in general is something that's missing that um, could really behoove us all. Because we're so stuck to our screens and we don't use our imagination in an alchemical way. You know, we don't. There, there's a difference between just idle fantasizing, which can also be useful in figuring out what matters to you, um, and then the spirit-infused imagination. It's it's a beautiful realm that the more you allow that in, the more that you realize you're always creating, you may as well be creating with a little more consciousness of what your soul signature would like of you, <laughs> you know, that expression that will be fulfilling, and it's automatically fulfilling to the universe. That's the big part of it. And I'm when you're sure. really fulfilling your truth. It fulfills something in the universe that we need from you. <laughs> I am guessing that the, the you know the term soul signature has something to do with these energetic sim signatures that you're finding, and that this also uh, leads into maybe an education that you are educating someone on their own past lives to help them deal with this current life. So, yes. I, so like explain the the process if there is one and how you can determine like i don't know maybe give like a, a an example of you know the anatomy of what you do with a 
student, patient, client, subject, whatever, to go from meeting them to finding, identifying the signature, the past lives, and then and then where you take it from there. Sure. So I do readings online, um, and I do uh, events as well. Um, and the process is the same because it's non-physical, it's energetic. The person's in front of me. They're called the querent. And um, so I use three tarot cards for my doorway in. And the intention of that is to narrow it down to the past life that is the most relevant for now. And um, I have been doing it so long that it's like, yeah, I don't get psychic stuff at me when people just come up. It's the intention. I switch it on like a radio dial, mm -hmm. you know, and receive it. So there's the intention that what I see in those first three cards, that's the pure message. And whether I do that, whether it's a tarot or a past life reading, because that is the pure message before I even want to know what you want to know about or what you want insight on. And that often is like, wow, it gives me so much if I don't know the question ahead of time. But then I, I do like to know where they need, you know, energetic checks and balances. So then once I'm there in the three cards, I just sort of go in. I go in with the visuals, but also with my bank of symbolic associations. And what I've learned at this point is to just shut up and talk. Okay. <laughs> I just start talking and I just tell them what I see. It is like a movie. Um, I see the life and I start to see the pattern that is the one that needs to be shifted. Um, I can give you an example um, of someone who had survivor's guilt in another life. And it was playing out in their current life of just this feeling of undeserving, you know, and it's usually something like that. It's so like psychological and deep, but it's spiritual because it may not have, oftentimes they do reflect in our life um, uh, circumstances, but sometimes it's a pattern you can't discern the cause. And that's often the ones that will come up. And it's just like, I, I call it like something we just came in with. It's just like a, a groove and we can shift that and having that empowerment you know, we can, and that insight, we can shift our trajectories just a little bit more, you know. Um, I don't mean to suggest that everything's always easy, you know, yeah. it's, it's an, often a path, you know, so I do mentoring and the personalized archetypal embodiment workshops that are based on the readings, you know, and I do optional, you know, personalized, customized essential oil blends or flower essences based on the readings as well. And that is to assist in energy work, to assist in the energetic checks and balances, to create that wholeness and to reclaim usually pieces of self and uncover and, um, you know, just like get false perspectives. I was thinking what Joseph Campbell said, the scales fell from his eyes. Mm -hmm. It's often something like that when we get, and it's often resonates to people. They tell me that really resonates and it makes sense on some level that, you know, and it's fulfillment. It gives them power just to hear it. Yeah, I imagine yeah. that there's there's stages, and it's probably not as strict as five stages of this or a twelve step program. It's probably different for different people. But at some point, you you get introduced to yourself. You need to recognize it. You need to accept accept it. And then I guess at some point, depending on who you are and what you're hearing or meeting or being introduced to, you have to decide whether you you like yourself or not, and then whether you need to lean out of yourself or lean into yourself. And and then I guess that there's a trainings on how to do either one of those things. And, and I guess that's where the oils and, and continuing sessions come in. So uh, first of all, and, and, 
am I just putting words into your mouth that are nonsense, or is that actually semi-close enough to the truth? It makes sense to me. And as far as going into or out of yourself, it's always going to require both at different times. You, you know, a, a lot of our spirituality is to up and out. It really is. And that's why, you know, you find people just saying, oh, you know, good vibes only. And that's a right. toxic positivity. I mean, right. it's true that, I mean, good vibes only for the party tonight. Yeah, absolutely. But you can't deny what's there. It's about radical self-acceptance. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to alchemize and shift that. Right. Because good vibes only is nihilism. It's not realistic. It's not part of this world. And, you know, and period. Even if you're like a quadrillion billionaire, that doesn't mean your health is good. It doesn't mean your mental health is good. It doesn't mean your relationships are good. And in, in this society, we have this thing. There's this subtle or not so subtle adage that if you're not happy, there's something wrong. And it's just not true. We are. Who said we're supposed to be happy all the time? It's not life and there's another thing too fear and anxiety are not enemies they are teachers doesn't mean it's pleasant it doesn't mean that we shouldn't seek to shift it that's not what i'm saying but uh we tend to judge ourselves for having negative emotions tend to judge ourselves for having these challenges and so um there's certain areas we can actually go into the body like somatic practices like i work with the vagus nerve a lot um if anyone is interested the book the Body Keeps the Score by Bezel van der Kolk can really go into a lot of the body practices that we do to dislodge trauma and kind of like we don't have to even get stuck on what these stories are. It's just the raw energetics begins to move. And that's one thing that we, the way we are told, you know, sit down when you were a little kid, be still, don't feel your feelings. It gets stuck in there in, in, in ways um, for like, it might be a simplified way of trying to express this, but Moving that energy is the most empowered, like, thing that you can do. And it does require radical self-acceptance. That's the one thing that I'm, you know, here to try to help people do. Like, I had the North Node in Aquarius. <laughs> I'm here to sort of be the pioneer, the way shower, the guide. I'll stick my head up and be weird for you, but I can only do it for so long. You're going to have to own your energy eventually. You like Vir you're like Virgil. You'll help only so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, it's just how it works. <laughs> is is the divine arcana tied to the archetypes? Like, uh, do they match one another? So, if I asked you to say, "What? Who are the divine arcana and who are the archetypes?" Is it basically the same answer? Because I'm going instead of asking you two questions, I'll ask you one, or I'll ask you two, and I just either way, whatever your answer is, I've already asked the questions. So, um, it. The archetypes are more than that, but yes, it is included in that. That's that whole major arcana is like a hero's journey in a way. And so the major arcana of the tarot deck sort of reflects bigger picture problems that you're going through, um, deeper, higher things, you know, um, it's like a hero's journey microcosm in a way. And the minor arcana, you know, the cups, wands, pinnacles, swords, these are more like, um, actual movable things that are happening in your physical life but it can also be so the pinnacles are physical and the cups are more like emotional or psychic and um, the swords are going to be more like thoughts and intellects and wands is like action and movement and what are you fighting for and that kind of thing my, um, my understanding of tarot is that the with with when the cards are drawn it very much the, the same card can mean many different things, especially in conjunction with other cards. The, the, the combination and the, the shapes and, the, and, and even the direction of them can, can change the interpretations 
quite a bit. So one, you know, the, the hero might actually be the hero, but in some combination, it, it might be the hero is on a fool's quest. The, the hero might be Don Quixote as opposed to, you know, say King Arthur. The, the hero is always on another fool's quest. Always. It never stops. But I do get what you're saying. And um, so the less of a hard and fast uh, meaning you have for a card, the better. It's helpful in the beginning, though, when you're learning them. But yeah, they're like, imagine each card is like a disco ball with all these facets of possible meanings. And I wrote a blog called Why I Don't Use Tarot Reversals Anymore. And it explains my holographic way of reading where the other cards will reflect the same meaning that a reversed card would. Because, you know, when you're reading client after client, like I do at events, I, having cards go upside down, it's just, it does not feel right to me. Because mm -hmm. you, you don't have time to shuffle them all back. And I, it just never felt right to me. It, was, it felt like something that was tacked on in the 1800s or something. So I don't use tarot reversals at all. It's okay, okay if people do. It's fine. I just find that they will show themselves because it's like the archetypes they have their different levels of expression whether it's you know like for archetypes it's like a dormant expression or distorted or finally divine and in a way the cards can show that too where you might be stuck in a certain area or this might be the energy you need like the impetus to move something or it could be like the goal that you are working toward and beginning to own um, if that makes sense and the other cards help to inform that it does, uh, but I'm trying to bring this down to more of a brick level, more you know, street level level. So maybe I'll do a, ask this, and hopefully it's a better question. Who are the archetypes? Which figures, characters from from mythos would people recognize, and what do they typically correspond to? So you know, we have religious um and divine archetypes like even mother mary you know that's a mother in, in the card the tarot she's like um you know the empress she's pregnant and you know um you think of kings those are um all in the tarot deck there's kings and then you have what kind of king is a king midas is a king david you know right. so they're all very complicated and it's very hard for me to simplify it too much without doing a disservice but i'm i'm trying to illustrate that the symbolic mindset is the key and being able to intuit and feel you know what they are saying related to the person's energy like not all readers are psychic i am and uh so that probably affects how i like i've already known that i've been different than the average tarot reader you know i had my first past life memories when i was five years old of egypt and um seeing it in a magazine being distraught about it being all broken and everything and my mom's just like patting me on the head you know just totally not accepted but all of that um it's just very hard for me perhaps to put it into simple terms okay. but uh about the symbology when you are are talking to a querent and you and you've done your readings and you felt their energies and you feel this this signature of the past lives does it does it emerge you almost like a uh, a photograph or a movie like how like you know it, it, does it come in order like would it would it come you'd see someone in ancient egypt first then rome and then you know perhaps you know england and then the new world or whatever the new world silly word but the north america you know or or is it something that is it more cluttered than that and you've got to sort of 
use all the tools at your disposal to sort of sort it out? Well, usually I don't focus on more than one life at a time, ah. but if I do, it's usually only two. And no, they are not necessarily linear, but they will have the things in common that give more clues toward the pattern that's ready to be transmuted, you know, with <clears throat> divine assistance, with the assistance of our higher self, inner self, deeper self. It's I really counsel them according to where they feel their difficulties and where the stuckness is, or if they just want to feel where how they can empower themselves more. It isn't always about, you know, the traumatic events of the past, but they often inform how we go about things. And it's um, doesn't necessarily come at me in linear ways. And it is like a movie, but it'll also sometimes just come like words without images or just energies that I'm doing my best to put into words. But generally I see it. Like do, you, do you ever come upon someone that, that, that in their past life that their I mean their life was just mostly great and like just just learning that the, their past self was had such a successful life however they define success that 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 alone helps them with in this iteration? Um, yeah, I can see that because they, sometimes it shows them. I have a couple examples where they have gifts that they haven't claimed. You know, like especially something like a being a leader or being their full self or, uh, you know, not following dictates that are toxic to their soul, you know, sort of thing. And there's also been people who have been very successful in a past life, but they were very, um, let's say cruel or they mistreated others, you know, um, the Scrooge archetype that or someone even far more powerful, right. like, you know, um, I'll just go ahead and say it. one of my own, I was a Mayan king and I just had him killed one after another because I could, you know? Right. And so how do, well, how do I deal with that facet that, of my disco ball? Well, put it this way. If someone's going to mess with me, they will have to deal with. The wheel, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones from the horse-drawn carriage to a rover on Mars. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Everyone loves a winner, and year after year, the one team that tops the field is Honda. Honda's all-star lineup includes Accord, Civic, and CRV, with all three making the car and driver 10 best list. Plus, Honda was also named Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com 2023 Best Value Brand and Best Overall Brand. To see what makes Honda number one, see your upstate Honda dealer today. Car and driver, December 2022. Based on 2023 brand image awards from Kelly Blue Book, visit KBB.com for more information. That. You know what I mean? So I put it to the best use possible because I'm a sweet, gentle, beautiful person. But if you mess with me, you're going to get Cesaro. That was his name. Oh. And my thing, you know, and um, so it's all about shadow work, too. This is a whole big thing where we reclaim parts of ourselves, you know, that we've rejected. And they're not all junk. OK, they're um, the shadow gold is like where we reclaim gifts that get um, repressed along with these proclivities that are, you know, sometimes they're socially unacceptable. Sometimes they are downright harmful, but there's like an example, if you're a natural dancer and you're born into like a Southern Baptist family where dancing is of the devil or something, 
then that's going to be what we call shadow gold. It gets stuck in the basement along with these other things. So how do we integrate these energies instead of pushing them away? You know, we often go in there and like, I'll be like, look at this dragon, you know, it's like, and then you realize it's been trying to protect you and you start talking to it. And like, it's almost like it turns into this sweet little Pikachu face and something. You say, thank you. You know, and like giving these energies a different job to do in your psyche, say, thank you. I know you were trying to protect me, but you've become a maladaptive pattern now. So you're going to sit here and you're, you're dragon soul, soul dragon. You're going to listen to the soul from now on. And, you know, this is like that Jungian active imagination. And um, I don't mean to make that sound simple because it usually takes a few top tries. But if the more we integrate those disparate parts of ourselves and put them toward their highest expression possible, the more we are whole, the more we are self-actualized and able to tap into the gifts that we have, regardless of what Betty Jo down the street has to say or her opinion about us, you know? No, that was great because my, actually yeah. my next question was when you meet this past live person, this Senzara or, or the dragon or whomever, uh, do can you communicate with them? And you've answered that. You said, yes, you can. You can communicate yes. with them and then, then, you know, learn to con control them or, or adapt. Um, you had mentioned essential oils are part of the healing process. Is this also, I mean, I'm sure it's different for everyone, but do the oils have consistent properties across the board and you just use a different combination of oils for different personalities or is one oil that might be healing for someone not be healing for another? Um, both of those are true, but, um, they're only, unless someone's allergic to it, they're not going to be, um, detrimental to them, but there are some that will be more useful. So they're uh, just neutral. Okay, good. Yeah, based on their energies. And, you know, that's an optional service. Not everybody sure. likes messing with that. It's not appropriate for everyone. I also have flower essences. You know, those are you just take those under your tongue and they work on emotional states and dislodging emotional patterns. Um, but uh, I create them based on the energies that I see need to be moved, that whole checks and balances thing toward their wholeness. And But, you know, there's like this phrase... I have a voodoo practitioner who says, you know, um, I can do this for you, but you have to work the point. And that's what I say, you know, with the oils, you have to work the point. I'm just giving you a tool and some ideas about how to use them. Um, you know, I often offer affirmations and meditational exercises for when we're not going into the deep, deep, you know, still working on several levels. Um, because it's all about making that unconscious conscious, like I was just saying, and reclaiming so that you don't have these old energies. They sort of, they're a drain on your vital forces, right. you know, and um, it's a great work, a great work to um, integrate your parts and, and have them all more in aligned with your soul essence. What and are some of the, I, I'm sorry, finish. finish look, I just want to say, I always feel like I make it sound so easy, but it is a path that requires curiosity and willingness. What are, what are some of the uh, most commonly used oils and what are they associated with? Okay, so um, I do notice that people will have these feelings of being like, polluted or dirty or something. And I will often say something like lavender, which has purifying and sort of peaceful sorts of uh, properties to it. And um, someone who's always stressed like chamomile, 
But again, we're mixing, I'm mixing these together and they become holographic more than their parts. And um, sandalwood for those, like someone like me who, if I didn't own the mystic, I would be not in a good place. And that owning the mystic is not easy. And so sometimes it's that for this person's archetype. It might not be easy for them to own the teacher, the healer, the guide, whatever it is that they are carrying, the creative, you know, the leader when they've always been a follower. So, um, you know, there's several different combinations of oils. I also have a whole line of Zodiac oils. So like, you know, all the signs, it isn't necessarily for your sun sign, but when you want to tap into that energy, it's the same concept. So um, working with essential oils has always been like woven in to what I've been doing. So, you know, something like for reclaiming the mystic, you know, sandalwood, frankincense, and myrrh, you know, those are like, they have their own, you know, symbols. We know what frankincense and myrrh are, so they have this sort of symbolic meaning. And then I would add more personalized things. Like, um, for me, I'm, I'm happier when I'm in an aesthetically pleasing environment because I feel like I'm changing things. So I would add like ylang ylang, which is such a beautiful flower or vanilla because I want to bring spirit down into the earth plane to make a difference. You know, I don't want to just keep it up here. I, I'm all about bringing it in and making our spiritual practices useful, embodying our spiritual path, you know, having it mean something, make a difference in how we go about our world, how we think. And then it starts to shine. The more we embody that natural light of who we are, you know, it's, um, it starts to shine through our eyes, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our being. And um, again, I'm like, I always jump like 10 steps ahead. But That's okay. It's a, I, well, do you, yeah. I want to play a game. And, okay. and this, is, this is, shouldn't be hard because I cannot imagine the being married to Jeffrey from Metatrek and knowing what his show's about and knowing my past conversations with him, that you haven't already done this together anyway. So hopefully this practice hard. Or if not, I don't know why not. But which characters from Star Trek match to which archetypes? Okay. Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, in The Enemy Within when Kirk is split into two. Mm -hmm. So we tend to simplify it and say good Kirk and evil Kirk. As the show plays out, we see it's far more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. So the evil Kirk is Kirk's shadow, but he also has shadow gold, you know, so his leader is in there. Because, you know, the good Kirk becomes ineffectual. He can't lead. He can't be a captain. He can't make decisions, you know. So though he might be a, a gentle one, you know, he might be a follower or whatever. He'll have his, he's a, like another shadow with his gold. And so um, there's that. And then, you know, Spock is, he's like the wise one in so many ways. But in other ways, McCoy's going to be the wise one. Right. And they come through in different ways from different paths. So, um, you know, you can see that um, Spock has these higher proclivities, but then he kind of doesn't always have his feet on the ground of, you know, what's actually going on, or he fights it when he does. So there's, it just shows how we need them all in balance, you know, because um, McCoy and his emotionalism, his sensualism and his, you know, he sees things as they are. He tells it like it is. These are all parts and they symbolize parts of us. And they symbolize like, I'm sure you've talked about with Jeff, how they symbolize higher energies as well, like the gods of Olympus, you know, and you could even go so far as to say Spock's a Messiah figure. And it goes really deep. It goes really deep. 
and um, well, you know, he did die and get resurrected after the Genesis Project. So I mean, <laughs> there is that. At some point, he became the Messiah. That that that's for sure. He also was able to put himself to into you know that yogi like uh, sleep state that it 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 would appear to be dead unless unless you knew any better. I remember that right. Much. And then he, he mind melts with Viger and gets all of that information for the whole cosmos. And so yeah. He's definitely got the wise one, the sorcerer, and all that. But he, okay. it's a little bit different, you know, than, so he's not like a druid or a witch, but McCoy is. He's a medicine man or a shaman, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> they're, both, they're both scientific characters. But they're, one one yeah. is more the mathematician and the one is more the medicine man kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. We need them all. We need, that's, that's a good, right there is a good metaphor for how we need all of our parts in balance, you know, and being kind to ourselves as humans because they're never going to be perfectly. It's all about the journey. Like we're here to climb these mountains. We're not here to have someone put us at the top of the mountain. And it's like, you know, um, some people say it's not the journey, it's the destination. Well, it's both. Yeah. I mean, it's not the destination, it's the journey, but it is both because that's how we get our strength, you know? So getting inspiration, even from pop culture figures is, is a worthy thing. If all about tapping into that symbolic mindset. If it reminds you of, who you really are inside. Yeah, I mean, Kirk was both Thor and Loki. He was he was the schemer and uber intelligent, but he also a lot of times he was the he sort of led with his hammer. Uh, you yeah. know, the two different kinds of hammers. You know, and, and but uh, and could be very impulsive as well. Very trickstery. If you think of like. Uh, the whole poker thing and the piece of the action Fizbin. He made that up on the spot. That's like right. a Loki trickster move right there. Exactly. The whole Kobe Yashimaru, he, he cheated. Yeah. He, he, re, he rewired it. He hacked it or something. Yeah. And sometimes we have to do that because um, there's this phrase. It's like there's malium prohibitum and there's malium in say. And what that means is like there's these things we aren't supposed to do that are prohibited by society, but they're not actually evil. And then there's Mali Mince, which is like, it's by nature pretty much evil and destructive. So you have, it's all about bending the rules. That's what I was trying to get at in a sort of a rather highfalutin way of getting to, he's doing these things for the greater good. Right. It's like, if you're at home at dinner with your family and you want to have, you want to let your 14 year old have a sip of wine, that is not necessarily evil to get your 14 year old uber drunk and give them the impression it's okay to do that all the time and make a fool of themselves is is wrong <laughs> and then say go drive the car honey you got this yeah that too <laughs> exactly that's a good yeah here are the keys go go have fun kids <laughs> we don't need that car anyway um yeah so what do you think all right we're going to continue with star trek because there's so many shows but i'm not going to go too far because i i'm i am not nearly the star trek aficionado that 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 your Jeff is, and probably not that you are as a result, or maybe not as a result. <laughs> yeah. So how is, how is Picard, which archetype does Picard shift from Kirk? Cause he's clearly an evolution from Kirk. They have some things in common, but not all. It's almost like, it's almost like, uh, uh, you know, Picard is more new Testament and Kirk is more old Testament. <laughs> right. And, and Riker carries a lot of that. Yeah. You know, uh, so Picard well, he's is the son. more like a huh? he's the son. He's the bridge. Exactly, and and Picard is he's almost got like this like this statesman kind of vibe. He's almost like royalty in a way. He's sort mm -hmm. of a step beyond you know. So he he's 
more like one who's going to lead by example, you know, but um, he does have that humbleness when needed. So he does have the king energy, but it's very different. Like he's more like a king who stays in a castle, not like a Viking king who gets out there on the battlefield. But he does sometimes. So they always overlap. It's true. But right. um, yeah, he's more like he's got the diplomat, the royal, the inspiring one, the one who can carry that. Um, there's a certain word I'm looking for. The words tend Gra- to go away. Gravitas. Now. <laughs> gravitas. Yes, gravitas. He's got the gravitas. Yes, he's, um, yeah, he's definitely one to follow. He's an example to follow. You know, and Riker's a little more earthy, as we shall say, you know. So it's really Kirk is kind of split into the, the those two in many ways. Okay. So then we'll move on to Janeway. Hmm, Janeway. She's so Artemis. She's, uh, you know, out there in her element. You know, and she's definitely a leader. Mm-hmm. And she wants to check out every nebula. It's like, are you trying to get home? Or are you really trying to check out every single nebula? So, you know, in, in some ways, she's like a, a curious cat. You know, archetypes aren't always very high. You know, she she has to see what's in there. She has to check everything out. She wants to know. She She's like an eternal student, you know, and a teacher, too. Right. And, the, and like the cat, the curiosity may have gotten the best of her um, and, and, and sends her on a, a journey that, that uh, you know, Odysseus would, would, would have said, that's much worse than what happened to me. Um, all right. Cisco. Cisco. Well, <laughs> of course, you know, automatically the word, what does the emissary mean? You know, I mean, he connects worlds. He's, He's um, of more than one world, and he becomes more than he ever thought he would be. So he's almost got that, almost like a, a superhero who doesn't know they're a superhero, who eventually realizes that, you know, um, like if Superman never really knew what he was, but he mm-hmm. kept getting clues. It's not that obvious Superman would eventually find out a lot quicker than Cisco would, but he's like, he sort of symbolizes how, you know, we have our higher self and we can tap into it or not, but there's always this sort of like a soul aligned destiny that when we are following it, it's like, yes, yes, yes. And he sort of has to um, embody that in order to be who he really is. So um, I can't really put that into one word right now, but he's someone who has to own that they're more than they ever thought they were, you know, so the superhero was something that came to mind. But Maybe like a, like, one of the mutants from the X-Men that their powers develop slowly over time and for a while. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like I always thought the word mutant was a little strong, but more like shapeshifter or more, yes, someone who's more than, and that does symbolize us and our, you know, uncovering of the soul and reclaiming that self, with a capital S. If you're not limited to one word or one description, one archetype, would it, would it help to take like, three cards and, and say, these are the three cards that represent Kirk, or is that just too simple? Um, I have my cards here. Let's see what we'll, I'll, tell, I'll let you know if it's too simple or not. Okay, okay. cool. If I was going to draw three cards for Kirk, what, what's going to come up, please? Interesting. So I have the High Priestess, I have the Six of Wands, and the Page of Cups. Now, 
the high priestess is like this tells me that he has uh wisdom but he's also very much in touch with how he feels and um it's not all about going by the book mm-hmm. for sure it's mm-hmm. like a higher it's a higher um echelon of wisdom guidance and then the six of wands is he is ready to take action he's got a plan of action and it's almost always going to work because he's aligned he's embodied his whole captain self you know and the page of cups he's a ladies man he's a lover you know he's um definitely not i mean sometimes he's doing that for the sake of some other cause but you can tell that he's uh kind of married to his ship mm-hmm. in many ways and so yes he's sort of maybe um i don't want to say an emotional beginner but he can only take it so far so that's why right. it's at the page level you know so that's what i got for kirk that's very that's cool. just me putting into what I see as well. Okay. Now, Kirk and you are not strangers, so people could say that that, that, that that was so. But you and me aren't strangers, and I know the audience there wants me to say, do it for me, and I'm, I'm struggling. Am I brave enough to do it? And you know what? I am brave enough to do it, so do okay. me. <laughs> All right. So I will ask you, yeah. would you like more insight on your trajectory and how you can um, make adjustments to it, or would you like more insight on patterns that could serve you to be shifted wow um because one's tarot and one's past life uh let's do the tarot okay give me just a second yeah of course so this this is live we didn't practice this obviously i'm springing this on her but of course i sprang it on myself first because i've been having a little argument with my inner voices do i want to do this on the air live without knowing what the answers are going to be and i'm just like Ask her, yes, I do. Okay, so you have a definite um, period of focusing on either your health or finances, your your world of the material. Um, upgrades of that nature are on your mind or they're, I mean, they're on everyone's mind, granted. Mm-hmm. But there's something to do with, you're going to have to change the way you think about something. And it's going to require you to say, you know what? I actually don't know anything about this new phase. I have a new mentality. I'm willing to have a new mentality. I got to change how I'm thinking about this so that I can uh, go ahead and have these new placements that are more fulfilling to my physical realm fall into place better. I.e., I'm not going to be in my way mentally as much. And that right now there could be just it's almost like the final battle of something mentally before the next phase. And um, you'll have to be comfortable with not knowing and with being a beginner again, maybe a new endeavor mentally. There's definitely something to that. There's a whole lot of a new, uh, you know, a a new approach on a bunch of things. I think people who've been listening to the show for the entirety of it probably have gotten clues along the way, if not outright know exactly what it is. But every now and then, old parts of me, you know, it's, it's like if I'm a running back, uh, there there's versions of me who are the linebackers and the cornerbacks that are still chasing me. And every now and then they tackle me and every now and then I fumble. So, uh, so yeah, that, that, I'd say that's pretty accurate. Um, the Wheel, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From the horse-drawn carriage... To a rover on Mars. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, 
a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. The, is, is the other part not possible to do now? The other the other aspect? The uh, last part? Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is good. This is, this is fun. Uh, you know, I'm only going to, this is just dipping a toe in, y'all. Yeah, know, no, no. Of course. I mean, we all want to find out that we were, you know, uh, King Arthur or something like that, or, you know, or Conan the Barbarian or whatever. I have a joke. We're not all princesses, darling. Right. <laughs> okay. And I will need another second to go in here. It's like if it turns out I was like an Aksumite spice stealer, that's fine, too. That would be awesome. It's like a... It'll turn out that it was like random farmer number three, you know, in, in you know, Harapan or something. Or a henchman for the Joker. <laughs> okay, so you were the son of an Italian winemaker in the 1500s. Okay, I like this. And you were going to, you know, take over the family business in every way possible. And uh, you had plans to marry this beautiful woman who you love and there's just plenty everywhere and there's an unforeseen situation that happens i almost feel like it's it could like be like a volcanic eruption or something i wouldn't be surprised and everything changed and it's complete loss okay now, this can't hurt you anymore. This is in the past, right? Now, why would that come up? Because there could be one little tiny unconscious pattern that says, maybe I shouldn't put my all into this. Maybe there's that slight fear of loss, of putting your, all yourself into something and having it taken away from you. And I'm not saying this is what you think about every day. This is just an underlying pattern that once we address that, it's like, it's pretty much saying, yeah, actually your soul is calling for you to put your all into this next phase of your endeavors, your life, your business, your, your relationship, your health, your world. If there's no reason to hold back anymore. Well, at least that not was an act happen. of God. It's not like I, I didn't botch it. I didn't ruin the whole thing. So uh, I'm not mad at past life me. I don't know what he, what he or she did while well, I was a he, what, what he did after the, the disaster after that. But uh, uh, I like the part about Italian wine. Yeah, I love Italian wine too. But I also think that like you lost some people, you know, so there could just be like a little bit of armoring around your heart, you know, that could just be like um, a little affirmation where it's like, you know, I open my heart to my vulnerability, yet I'm always protected. Just um, affirmations can make a big difference, but they are not enough, but they help. Oh, yeah. So I always include them. Yeah, once been, twice shy, you know, that, that. Kind of that for sure. Yeah, a couple yeah, times. That's as far as I can go on a mini past life reading live. But I think, I think that's fair. Go a lot deeper. But uh, yeah, and man, then, I want some Valpolicella to drink right now. All of a sudden, I know a little Amarone or a nice little Barola, something. I, yeah, I got a, yeah, yeah. The Italian wines are delicious. Mm -hmm. um, though I don't really like the Sangiovese, but I guess that's not what this show's about. All right. Uh, <laughs> I have taken us completely off course, uh, which is okay. Um, but since you are the expert in this area, I'd like you to bring us back to 
on course so that we can, you know, get to a landing spot that makes sense. Sure. And I, I also find that the don't find has a way of being on course somehow in one way or another, you know. Um, so did you have a particular question that you were going to leave me with, or did you want me to just talk back about how? I don't know. I, which, I mean, you said that you, that you studied Wicca. Obviously, you're familiar with voodoo. Uh, were there any particular shamanistic traditions that were attractive to you or that you were introduced to? Um. You know, I don't even really talk about it uh, publicly. This is like the third okay. time, but I have also uh, practiced voodoo. I lived in New Orleans for, um, you know, almost two decades. But it is a personal thing. It's not something I include in my professional work just because um, I'm not initiated. I only use it like to help me with my depths. You know, like I was telling, talking about before that mountain of rage. How do I transmute that mountain of rage for not being accepted for who I am and being told I'm going to go to hell and, and all that stuff. And yes, there's a voodoo spirit, Azili Danto. She helped me through that. And that's what you call a dark goddess. Just like, you know, the Morgan or Hecate or Kali. I work with those a lot with the deep stuff. And when you say dark, it's not it's not evil. It's hidden. Right. They're mystical things hidden. And they will show you what's been hidden. It's like an empowering piece of the puzzle. So a lot of those, um, you know, drumming and going in, um, I, I have been through uh, someone who was a bona fide shaman, uh, you know, and that was very informative and influential. So I just, I do draw from many different sources, but I don't shy from the healing path. That's, that's one thing that people who jump from tradition to tradition uh, ought to make sure they watch out for, you know, is that you're getting to the nitty gritty and not just skating on the surface. But yeah, it's amazing. See, so that element of ritual, you know, just like back, let's just say uh, back in the Greek plays, they, they weren't just like spectators and plays. They're more like, you know, divine ritual mythic enactments where these energies were embodied and they became those gods and goddesses. There's an element of that that is missing for us. And we touch into it in little ways, you know, um, especially if we have a good creative outlet, um, you can get there. You know, people who have told me they get there just by like running and stuff like that. It's, it's tapping into some just elements of who we are that have been neglected. And shamanic practices or shamanic journey needs some more words because I've started to call it a moving meditation, you know, but that's even a lame term because it's all about bringing these different elements together that we've artificially separated over time, you know. Well, you want lame a spiritual road show? That's lame, and I think that's actually the name of a of a reality series on on some network. I'm not kidding, um, but that that really trivializes something that shouldn't be trivialized. Right? You know, it's like um, I I like to like one of the things I do is I take things that I have to do and I turn them into sacraments. I take everyday activities and I turn them into rituals. Like when I clean the house, I'm doing energy work. When I take a shower, I'm doing energy work. You know, when I'm preparing food, I'm creating future health, bounty, and all this and that, you know, and every morning when I stir the coffee, you know, every morning I stir like cinnamon and honey into mine and Jeffrey's coffee, I'm stirring in shiny sparkles of love, happiness, health, prosperity, kindness, love, all that. Those things start to really help, but you have to do it 
not like you're going through the motions. And that just takes time to tap into. It's the symbolic mindset. It really is. It's the mythical, metaphorical, magical, symbolic mindset that we all have access to. And we're not supposed to all do it the same way. We have our own signature, but there's all these ways that we look at what inspires you. Look at what you have fantasized about being. It gives you clues about who, you know, your soul is asking you to explore being. And as far as soul contracts and energy signatures and everything, it's not only one way that these can manifest. It's like a kaleidoscope of different possibilities, but some of them are, are yeses and some of them aren't, you know, and uh, some of them are aligned and some aren't, but we still have to go through that. That's all part of figuring it all out is figuring it is trying and seeing and, and learning, you know, and just keeping that curiosity without judging yourself. Stop judging yourself. Right. Oh, Trial and error. That's, that's, that's how yeah. you learn. Yeah. Is there something that I sh- uh, didn't ask you that I absolutely should have? Let's see. Um, <laughs> I guess um, what's one thing that, you could do if you have been on a spiritual path and you don't know what to do next. And, you know, sometimes we come to these things where you're not inspired. You might feel blah, you might feel blank. And there's a few things that always seem to nudge it for people. And one of them is get out in nature. You don't have to go crazy. You have to go camping. Just put your feet on the earth because there's this, sacred energy that is within your body and you don't have to be skinny you don't have to be perfect to love your body because this is it this is the vehicle for consciousness for spirit and include your body in your practices you know without trying to fix things learn to go beyond your mind from time to time and beyond the intellect and feel what you're experiencing always tap back to your mind of course but let it interpret what you went through don't let it control what you're going through and this is i'm talking about spiritual practices magical practices getting out in nature Uh, there's just something to be said for getting your feet on the earth back to that electromagnetic field that's going to be beyond any words that i could try to say and breathe a little more deeply you know you don't have to go overboard with looking in a book and finding out exactly how to do pranayama or whatever just breathe a little more deeply from time to time you know Turn your mind off. Get out of your head and a little bit more into your body. Always go back to your head, of course, but just as some a balancing because of what's going on collectively. That is a, such a beautiful balancing thing when you feel stuck. So that's what I got. Excellent. All right. So if people want to learn more or follow you or hire you or whatever, how, how do they do so? So um, they can go to my website, tarawithkatiara.com. Um, if you really want to find out what I'm on about, go to my link tree. It's Tara with Katiara. You'll, you can listen to other podcasts. You can look back, look at my current events, and you can look back at, at other uh, past workshops and things that I've done. And there's just several talks, and you can see published essays and things like that that I've had. If you want to know more about what I'm on about, and from the link tree, you can schedule tarot reading, past life reading, personalized archetypal embodiment workshops, and everything. And, you know, it's all there. You know, if you want to figure out this is something like you're ready to take some sort of next step and be in your truth. And, and I saw yeah. that you go to certain places. So that if people are in those parts of the world, they could actually, 
you know, go see you. And I imagine it's not just you. There's probably a, a, a group there that's probably some type of event. So they can make a, you know, a day or a weekend out of it. Yeah, um, I'm Pittsburgh based and I don't have too many other very far away events right now. But um, I everything's available online that I do. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much. Regards to to your husband, uh, and uh, do you have a song that you think that would would be a great outro for the, for this theme? I, I, that's another thing I sort of have a little struggle with. I was thinking about Into the Mystic, then I was thinking Sweet Soul Sister, and then I was yeah, I don't know, but none of the, none of them really feel right. I do love Into the Mystic, but oh my gosh, you know um, it's funny. I'm going to end up saying something like. <laughs> Yeah, let's just do that. Let's just do Into the Mystic, or I'm going to lead us down a, a crazy Black Sabbath path or something. I'm okay with crazy Black Sabbath paths. <laughs> okay. Um, Children of the Sea. Children of the Sea. Good, good, That's what Ronnie James Dio singing, of course. Con, con, and, you know, thank you for giving me this platform to talk about all the things I, I love so much. And uh, Jeff did say hi. Jeffrey said hi to you. And so I just, I'm very thankful, and I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thank you. And thank you. And regard, like I said, thanks to Jeff and children of the sea, it shall be. All right, <laughs> folks. Thanks very much. Uh, follow her again. It's Tarot with Tatiara, T-A-T-I-A-R-A. So, you know, the spelling, I know a couple of times I put an R in there that, that what doesn't belong. <laughs> uh, everyone who's listened to the show know about me and all the step peoples and the Tartars and, and, and of course my billion dollar idea that I will never do, which is cocktail sauce mixed with with tartar sauce called carter sauce uh but i'll never do it so there's your billion idea people it's it, it's free to the world I've, I've given up on uh trying to make it happen um so anyway give a nice rating a review tell your friends share that's the way the show grows and thank you again to our guest nikki ojeda and thank you all for listening to garden of doom and you'll hear from us later on
wheel, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From the horse-drawn carriage to a rover on Mars. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield is becoming Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield, focusing on whole health. Same doctors, same hospitals, the same us. We are Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield. New name, same commitment to you. Never go it alone. That's our anthem.